Today we're kicking off this new series called Uncertain, Uncertain, and we live in an uncertain time, don't we? We've got all of these questions that are roaming around in our head like, are my kids going to go to school at school or are they going to go to school online at home? Um, am I going to work at home or at the office? Am I uh, going to get sick? Am I going to stay well? Uh, we have a political election coming up uh, in the next few months. Is the country going this way or are things going to go that way? What's going on? We live in a very, very uncertain time. But you know, it's in times like this that it causes us to remember the certainty of God. One thing that I can promise you is, is sure and certain, that is the nature in the divine attributes of God. We know who God is. And so today, to help us kind of put away some of that anxiety of the unknown and the fear of where is all this going or what's the future like, we need to be reminded that God is amazing. And this whole series called Uncertain, we're looking at the nature and the character of God. Today, I want to share with you a, a message about God's omniscience. It's a, it's a fancy theological word. It's actually two words put together, omni-science. <clears throat> omni meaning all, science meaning knowledge. In other words, God has all of the knowledge in the world. God knows everything. And one of the reasons that we can rest assured that everything's going to be okay is because God knows everything. There's not one thing that is beyond the bounds of his knowledge and of his ability to act. Next week, we're going to come back and talk about some other attributes of God. But today, God's omniscience, God's omniscience, omni-science, God knows everything. Now, Matthew chapter 10 tells us that God even knows the number of hairs on your head. Can you believe that? Now, for some of us, that wouldn't be very complicated. But for others of us, that's pretty profound, isn't it? That's pretty amazing just to think about today. God knows everything. God knows it all. And it's going to build our faith. It's going to strengthen our prayer life. And it's going to help us to see our problems as small and God as big when we focus on God's omniscience. God's omniscience. Uh, Psalm 147 verse 4 and 5 says he counts the number of stars. He gives name, gives names to all of them. Our Lord is great, vast in power. His understanding is, say it with me, infinite. In other words, God knows everything. I mean, God knows it all. Not only did God create it, God knows it. God knows everything. But what does that mean? How does that work? Because it's easy to look at our own lives and say, well, you know, that's really awesome that God knows all this stuff, but what about my life? Like, what about what I'm going through? Uh, and if God knows everything, then why are things going this way instead of that way? Well, let's talk for a few minutes about that. First of all, God knows my faults. God knows my faults. You could take out your notes and write this down for just a minute. God knows your faults. I mean, 
it's pretty incredible. God knows our faults, and yet the Bible says that God still loves us. God sees right through us. Uh, the psalmist wrote in Psalm, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Proverbs chapter five, verse twenty-one: "For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all of his paths." In other words, God sees it. God sees all of our ways. We can't hide anything from God. You can't stick something in the bottom of the closet. You can't hide it in the basement. You can't put it in the garage. God sees it all. God knows it all. And yet he still loves us. Well, what is our response? Well, we ought to be honest with God and we ought to admit to God our shortcomings, our sins, and our struggles. Uh, 1 John says, if we say that we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. So we're not fooling anybody. God sees it all. And by the way, shouldn't we talk with God about our struggles if he knows it anyway? I mean, like, it's kind of uncomfortable. Let's be honest. Confessing sins, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of the things that we pray about is probably the least pleasurable and least desirable thing how many would rather pray for the needs of somebody else than to admit your sins to God right I mean like yeah that's not exactly the 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 most enjoyable thing except the fact that God already knows and when we confess that to God then it puts us back in right standing with him so it's extremely important but God knows it all and my response is just to be honest with God don't fake it don't fake it with God. So, uh, Proverbs 28, 13 says, The one who conceals a sin won't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. I mean, I, that's, that's amazing because our tendency is to hide things, and we think that we'll prosper if we can cover it up. But the Scripture challenges us and says, actually, when you cover it up, you actually write your own ticket to demise rather than excelling in the purposes and plans of God by admitting those things. Cover-ups never work. And what do we do? Well, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, see, there's a great thing about confession. That is that it cleanses us. It gets our relationship with God back on par. It starts to move the right direction again. So actually admitting our faults is actually a good thing. And it gives us a clean conscience. And it helps us to experience God's mercy and grace. You know, I mean, when you've really blown it and you admit it to God and you feel His forgiveness and mercy in your own life, your spiritual life is going to a new level. It's an amazing thing. God knows your faults. He knows your faults, but guess what? God knows a lot more than that. God also knows your needs. He knows your needs, and He knows your hurts. He knows your hurts. Let's look at Psalm 139, verse 1. Uh, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. I mean, God knows our hurts because He knows everything about us. And this word, uh, uh, know me and search me, means to pierce through. In Psalm 139, verse 1. Uh, it's, like, it's like an x-ray vision. When God looks at our life, He looks at us like an x-ray. 
Now, maybe you've gotten an x-ray before for a broken bone. Anybody got some x-rays before, you know? They want to look at your internal whatever, and they do an x-ray. I get an a x-ray when I go to the dentist, you know, every year. Probably most of you guys do too. And sometimes the dentist will look at the x-ray, and he will see the most microscopic spot. And he'll say, Ryan, you have the beginnings of a cavity. And I'll say, oh, c- Doc, come on, man. That isn't a cavity. That's so small, because I hate to get drilled on, and I get nervous when I go to the dentist. One time I talked the dentist out of it. Yeah. I think he was in sales mode, you know. He was going to sell a filling to me. I was like, no, man, I'm good. You know, I'm like, that's not really a cat. He's like, well, it's borderline. You know, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to be drilled on any more than I have to. But it's amazing that the x-ray has the capacity to reveal what the naked eye cannot see. Below the surface, when nobody else can see it, God can see it. And that's the way that God looks at you and me. That's the way he looks at us, with an x-ray vision. God knows our hurts. God knows when you're frustrated. God knows when you're struggling. God knows when you're disappointed. God knows when you're lonely. He sees all of it. Psalm 56.6 says, You know how troubled I am, and you have kept a record of my tears. I mean, that's how much God cares about you. God keeps a record. It's like in the heavens, every time you cry, God is writing down, you know what, she was really upset about this. God's taking notes. Why would God take notes on your hurts? Because you matter that much to God. See, some people think God only takes notes on their faults. I want you to know some today. God knows your hurts. God is taking copious notes over the things that bring pain and hurt in your own life. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God cares for you. And God is more aware of my hurts than I am. powerful the other day I was getting a massage and the massage therapist was rubbing my arms and my back and my shoulders and my legs and doing the whole thing and then she got down to my ankle and she started rubbing my Achilles and pain shot up my calf I was like "Ooh, ouch I had tweaked my my Achilles and my calf playing a little basketball and it was sore it was inflamed it was kind of swollen you know And my whole body felt great, except that one spot. And when she touched it, it brought pain. God knows the one place that brings pain in your life. He knows, you know what? If she's talking about this or he's going through that, that's not that big a deal. But if they go through this this over here, that hurts. God knows your sore spot. God knows that tender spot. That place that you don't really want to talk about that. You don't really want to think about that situation or that pain. God knows all that. He knows your hurts. He writes down a record of your tears. Look at that in Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. God himself wraps himself around your brokenness and protects the wounded areas of your life until they can uh, function properly again. It's like God is a cast. 
And when we have a broken part of our own heart and our own life, God wraps himself around us until we're healed. It's beautiful, isn't it? God knows about your hurts. This is why he's such a great God. God knows when you're worried about your finances. God knows when you're struggling with a bankruptcy or when you can't pay your rent that month. Uh, God knows when a relationship's not working out, when you're going through a breakup, when you got a bad report from the doctor, when you're getting bullied at school. God knows about all of it. So what do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that God knows? i got some good news for you today. God doesn't just know. God wants to act in our life. Isn't that beautiful? Some people's idea of God is that God's in heaven. And yeah, maybe God knows a lot. But what does that have to do with my life? Because I'm really hurting and I'm really struggling. Lord, where are you? Well, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 gives us some instruction. It says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. So what are we supposed to do? When we have cares and hurts and struggles in our own life, we want to cast those on the Lord. We want to give those to God. But you know, life is full of so many hurts, and I've got some basketballs up here today that kind of represent some of the hurts that we go through. How about shame? You made a bad decision. You don't want anybody to know about it. Whoops. I feel really bad about it. Maybe you lied about something or did something you shouldn't have done. And so you're dealing with the problem of shame. And you're just kind of dribbling through life with that hurt of shame. Kind of making your way through life. And you know, you can kind of handle one, one of those areas of hurt because you can dribble. But what happens when letdowns or disappointments show up now all of a sudden you got shame and you got letdowns at the same time what do you do well you still got two hands and a lot of times we think well I got mad skills I can handle my own stuff I don't need God I got this But you know, inevitably, hurt shows up again, doesn't it? Hurt is not limited to just shame and letdowns. There's other stuff that's coming our way. If you've lived long enough, you know that when you least expect it, the greatest hurts of your life come. And so we have to begin to bag those hurts, don't we? We have betrayal. We never thought that we would be stabbed in the back or be let down. We have grief, those hurts around us, we, somebody dies, somebody passes away, we lose something, we have loss, and we take that and we stuff it into the bag along with anger and loneliness and whatever else comes our way because the longer we live, the more hurts that we will experience and what people normally do is they just stuff it in a bag and they carry it around themselves like this. And people go to the office 
and people go home, people sleep at night like this on their back. <laughs> you go to your kids' ball games, you go to social events, you come to church sometimes with all this. What is God's prescription? He says, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. Well, the term cast is actually an athletic term that means to throw something. So I think in God's divine providence, what he's asked us to do is to take the cares of our life, like loneliness, and to say, God, I don't want to carry that anymore. I'm going to make the pass to you. God, I can't deal with the adversity that I'm facing alone. I'm going to make the pass to you. God, I'm weary and I'm tired. I can't do it anymore. There you go, Lord. I've got anger and I can't handle anger anymore. I got betrayal and Lord, I'm hurting. I'm giving that to you. I've got grief. Lord, there you go. And on and on and on and on and on. There's shame. There's letdowns. And we're passing it to him. That's what we do. Isn't that awesome? Come on, church. Let's celebrate that. So we got to choose to make the pass. When we get weighted down with all those worries, cast pass all your cares on him. God knows your hurts. We have a choice. We can cast it or we can carry it. We can get weighted down by it. We can be burdened by it. We can give it to God. God, here, here you go. Well, how do we do that? We do so in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. But in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Cast that, give that to God, make the pass. I don't know how to build my business, Lord, make the pass. I don't know how to raise my kids. I, they're, they're changing. I, I had it all figured out when they were preschoolers, and now they're teenagers, God forbid. And Lord, I need some help. Cast those cares. We do it through, through prayer. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Lord, I'm struggling to have a healthy relationship. Make the pass. Um, I'm beating myself up over and over again for past mistakes. Make the pass. God... God cares about the big cares and the little cares of our life. Let's give them to him. By the way, we'll feel a lot better as a result when we're not carrying around all of the weight of those hurts. So God sees our hurts. God knows about our faults. But it gets even better than that. God knows our needs. You have some needs. You know what? You have physical needs like shelter and food. You got some spiritual needs to be loved and accepted and to have purpose. Those are spiritual needs. And some people realize they have physical needs, but they don't realize they have spiritual needs. But God knows your spiritual needs. That's why we're gathered here at Edge Church this morning. 
you recognize, I have some spiritual needs. I need to hear from God. You, need, you have some emotional needs. You need encouragement and support and friendship, things like that. That's important. We have all these needs. And guess what? God sees all of them. And sometimes God is meeting our needs and we don't even see what he's doing. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Amsterdam, to uh, Holland, uh, over there in the Netherlands. And I had a chance to visit the home of Corey Tim Boom. And if you don't know who that is, she was a really courageous young lady who in the uh, 1940s during the Nazi occupation, her and her family were hiding Jews and uh, Dutch resistant, resistance fighters in their home. And they were Christians. They were a Christian family. And uh, they got caught and they were sent to prison camp. You know, it's, it's interesting as the story unfolds, they caught their family, but they didn't catch the six people that were living there. It's fascinating. And I had a chance to tour all the ways and the places and the nooks and crannies that people would hide. It's totally fascinating. But there's a story about uh, Betsy, her sister, and Corey. Corey and Betsy were the two sisters. They're in the, uh, the concentration camp there called Ravenbrook in Germany. And they, somebody's able to smuggle in a Bible. So they have Bible study. And all these women are giving their life to Christ because they're having Bible study in the barracks where the women are being, you know, uh, kept in like sardines, you know. They're having Bible study. And they're like, man, the guards are not coming in here and checking on us. What's going on? Well, one day the Bible passage came up that says, give thanks to God for everything. And Betsy said to Corey, we need to give thanks to God and we need to give thanks to God for all the fleas that are infesting our little dormitory here. And Corey said, you know what, I'll give thanks to God for some things, but I will not give thanks to God for some fleas. And she was like, no, it's right there in the Bible. Come on, you've got to give thanks to God. You know? And, well, they discovered a few weeks later that the reason that the German officers quit coming in there and beating them and taking advantage of them and confiscating things from them was because of the flea infestation the guard said we don't want fleas they can go do whatever they want to do and God met their spiritual emotional and probably a whole lot of other needs in and through that Bible study and that ability to read the scripture and to be encouraged and blessed and to get some direction from God in a very trying time because of the fleas Sometimes we look around and we see the fleas in our life and we're like, that's not of God. But sometimes God will use the fleas because God is meeting a need in your life that you didn't even realize. God sees your needs. He knows your needs. He's taking care of your needs. He's helping you with your needs. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply, say it with me, every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, God's bank account is full according to his riches and glory. God is not in lack. The reason that God can meet your need is because God has everything that you need. God is not barely scraping by. God God is aware of your need. God is meeting needs because he has an abundance of need, of of opportunity. And so God is the supplier of our needs. 
Matthew 7, 8 through 9. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? So we ought to ask God. If you have some needs in your life and you're like, man, Lord, I really need this, you ought to be asking God. And the Bible says God won't give you a stone if you need bread. You know, if you, in other words, if you really need this, God's not going to pull bait and switch on you and give you something to pull a prank on you. God's going to meet that need. He really is. Do you believe that today? God's going to meet that need. God knows your needs and you can trust Him. You can trust Him. God also knows my future. God knows my future. Uh, everybody's interested in the future. It's interesting the things that we do to find the future. A lot of people read the stars or horoscopes or uh, biorhythms or the reading of tea leaves. I mean, people are obsessed with the future. God knows the future. God knows the future. Uh, and the fact that God sees my tomorrow today reveals the fact that he's omniscient. Uh, Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. I mean, you mattered so much to God that God planned out all the days of your life before you even took a breath. Just, just take that in for just a moment. Just think about that. Now, you only do planning if it's important. Amen? You don't put time and energy and thought into planning things out if it's not a significant event or a significant something that's going on in your life. How about a wedding? Anybody here ever planned a wedding? People go wedding People plan weddings for more than a year sometimes. People are crazy with weddings. You know, you you got to plan out, well, who's going to come to the reception? And then I can't put this in-law with that in-law because they may kill each other, you know, at the wedding. And and I got to put these people over here. And I got to have goodie bags and name plates. And I mean, it's people come from different states and different cities. And, and they spend the night in a hotel. I mean, it's crazy. Why? Because it matters. Because it matters. When things matter, you plan it out. Whenever the Hellers are going on a vacation, my wife will make meticulous lists. She will plan things out for weeks on end to get our family ready to go somewhere. I'm like an hour before guy, you know? And Gina's always like, what if you forget something? And I was like, well, then I'll stop by the store and pick up some socks or toothpaste or whatever along the way. No big deal. But I don't have to plan for a week. But my wife, I'm telling you, she plans it out. And many of you do that. because Why? Because it's important. You wouldn't go on an international vacation or on some you know, spectacular event if you didn't think through the logistics of it and, and, and you didn't prepare, you know, well, I, do I need warm clothes or, 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 or you know, clothes that are for a more warmer climate or what time of the year is it or what event is it? All that, it all matters. And here's what the scripture's saying to us God, God saw us when we were formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before one single 
day of them began. I mean, man, even before you were birthed, even before you took a breath on this earth, God had every day planned out. God didn't just plan out the big events of your life. He planned out the small events. All your days. God had it all planned out. Listen, God has a plan. And the more quickly that we get our life in alignment with God's plan, the more fruitful and the more enjoyable and the more productive our life will be. Because God has a plan. A lot of people spend too much time trying to convince God of their plan rather than saying, God, would you reveal to me what your plan is? God, would you just kind of let, just tell me, Lord, here I am. Do I go to the left or to the right? God, what do you want from me? That should be our prayer. God knows the future. Jeremiah the prophet wrote in chapter 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you. This is God's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. This is one of the most famous Bible verses that you'll ever hear or know. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's an awesome verse. The first time I heard that verse, I thought, yes, I have totally scored. Everything I'm going to do is going to be up and to the right. Yes. And then I lived life a little bit, and I was like, you know, life is like forward and backward. And backward and then forward. There's a little more to it than that. What is the prophet saying to us? Well, this word well-being, this translated uh, here in Jeremiah 29, 11, is actually a word that means peace. It's the word shalom in the Hebrew language. It means peace. What is the prophet saying? God is going to give you peace no matter what you go through. That's the promise. The promise is not that everything is always up and to the right. If you sold this much this month, then you're going to sell this much the next month. That's not the promise. The promise is that God is going to give you peace no matter what you're going through. That's a powerful promise. And that's why we can be optimistic about the plans that God has for our future. We can be excited about the Listen, I hope you're an optimist. Not just because you have a cheery personality, but because you believe in the promises of God. You're an optimist because you believe that you're going to have peace no matter what you're going through. And God knows the future. So listen, don't you stress because you don't know the future. You just trust in the one who wrote the future. And his name is God. The Lord has a plan. Ephesians 2.10 describes that plan a little more detail to us. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Part of God's plan is for you to serve. Part of God's plan is for you to do good works. I love to say it this way. You're saved to serve. Once Christ comes into your life, God's given us a divine mandate. Get busy, man. Start getting after it. We're grateful to God. God's redeemed us. God's, God's made us new. God has forgiven our sins. Why did he do it? Part of God's plan was that we would do good. That's why he says we're his workmanship. 
I mean, God created you. God finally tuned you. God made you the way that you are for a purpose, for good works. God gave you skills. God gave you abilities. God gave you experiences. That's all part of God's plan, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So listen, from the beginning of all creation, God knew how you were going to serve Him. Isn't that beautiful? That's part of God's future. That's got a part of God's omniscience, omniscience, all knowledge. God knew it all. So let's take some pressure off of our lives today because, listen, if you, if you don't believe that God knows everything, then you ultimately believe it's all up to you. You know what? If you've lived that path, you've been on that journey, you know that gets weary You're carrying all your burdens, you're carrying all your hurts, you're carrying all of your uncertainties, you're carrying the weight of trying to figure out the plan, and it's a heavy load. But God is an omniscient God and He wants to know us. Shouldn't we spend more time talking to an omniscient God and trying to download the things that He has to say to us? Rather than telling him what, he's, what, what our opinions are and what we think we should do. We should talk to God more. If God knows the future, I ought to spend more time saying, Lord, direct me in the right way. You don't have to tell me everything that's about to happen, but could you at least just kind of point the direction for me, you know? When we're dribbling through life, when we have fleas, remember, we have an omniscient God. He knows our faults. He knows our hurts. He knows our needs, and He knows our future. Let's pray together. Let's just bow together for a word of prayer for just a moment.